Hello, this is Todd O'Brien, your host, and welcome to Evolve the Entrepreneur Mindset. My name is Piers Lenny. And my superpower is making the complex simple. today is a serial entrepreneur, investor, speaker, and advisor. He was a former investor on BBC's Dragon's Den, which is the equivalent to Shark Tank in the U.S. Previous to Dragon's Den, he was in investment banking. He travels the world speaking and gives expert advice to entrepreneurs through his online course at startup.peerslinney.com. Please welcome to the show, Piers Linney. Piers, thank you so much for joining me from London. Uh, I'm in Austin today, and it's really great to have you. Thank you for having me on. Looking forward to it. So I think you and I met uh, probably about four or five years ago in London when I was working for Dell and was running a program called Dell for Entrepreneurs. Piers, you're a very accomplished guy. Uh, you have a, an incredible resume. You know, anybody could Google you and find a lot of things. Most most things that come up, uh, and the most popular one, I think, is that you were on Dragon's Den, which is a like the shark tank in the U.S., but... You know, there's so much that you've done. If you look at your LinkedIn or you look at your profiles, what really surprised you the most along your career path? Because, uh, you know, a lot of people from the outside think that these careers just are linear and they just happen. But what really surprised you? Well, so, so at a macro level, so I, um, in the UK, I grew up in the north of the country, so not, not near London. And I went to a sort of a, a pretty average or not below average school. And I'm, I'm mixed race. My mom's from um, Barbados. My dad's English. So my first challenge really was getting from that school into university and into the city, which is your equivalent of Wall Street. So I became a, a venture capital private equity lawyer and I became an investment banker at Credit Suisse. It was then Credit Suisse first Boston. So I spent a lot of time working in the city of London and in Wall Street. So after that, I then went into the first wave.com in 2000. Well, it wasn't the best timing, but we managed to get through. Then I went into finance myself and I started to grow businesses and I've kind of focused on technology, some media and telecoms and cloud. Now, when people look at my background, they look at it, it looks like a staircase that I just climbed, but it, it wasn't like that. It was utter chaos. When, when I grew up, people said to me, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be in business. I had my first uh, business when I was 13. I disintermediated my local uh, news agent and delivered the papers on a Sunday because they didn't deliver. I, I sort of quadrupled my income in one morning compared to what I used to earn in a week. So I started early. But I had no idea what business was. People said, oh, she she become an accountant. <laughs> I thought, really? When I, when I got to university, I did, I did a law and accounting degree. I didn't really know what being a lawyer meant. When I was a lawyer, my friend said to me, I said, well, I don't want to be a lawyer because I was a venture capital lawyer. And I thought, I want to be these guys doing the deals. And he said, well, you used to go into investment banking. And my response to him was, what's investment banking? <laughs> didn't have a clue. Investment banking, I didn't know what a hedge fund was or alternative assets or alternative funds. I have no idea. So for me, I've always kind of got somewhere, met, sort of set a goal, got to it, and I thought, well, where do I go now? And there's a big a, a wall in front of me, and I kind of climb up and look over it and see the next, like climbing up, like I'm into cycling. Like when you go up a hill, you know, you have these blind corners, fake something, yeah. and you come up to them, you look around the corner, I see something else that interests me, and I got to that one. And it's been like that. So it's been sort of a staircase that I've kind of built or, you know, 
building of bridges across the chasm. But looking back, you know, I meet young people now and they say to me, you know, yeah, I'm going to get an undergraduate degree, do some, do some summer school, I'll probably go to Harvard, spend some time in business, set up a tech company, build up for five years, sell it to Google and buy an island. <laughs> so they've got this, I'm exaggerating, but they've got it planned out. I had no idea. So my first surprise for me really was, was that um, how hard it was. Mm. Um, but then when I got into the city, which is quite hard, equivalent to Wall Street, it was very much a, a meritocracy. When I left, so what happened was I was building businesses, um, side hustles in a way, and they became quite big. So one got to sort of, you know, equivalent of $60 million of revenue, 300 people in telecoms. And the management team weren't doing what we wanted them to. So I decided to become an operator. So I stepped into the business. Now, when I first started running businesses, um, my, my first big surprise was coming from investment banking is, listen, we've got a pitch tomorrow. We've got a presentation to do. It's now 5 p.m., I'm going to stay here until, if I have to, 9 a.m. the following morning to get this done. And everybody looks at me as if I'm insane. They want to go home. <laughs> and I couldn't work out what was wrong with these people. And then, you know, I realized that, you know, outside of this kind of ridiculous work environment I was used to, people had lives, they had jobs, they had hobbies, they had children, and they had places to go. And it took me about 18 months to calm down um, and realize that, you know, I had to sort of, um, sort of calm down and manage people in, in a very different way. Yeah. Uh, and I also realized very quickly that quite often outside of the kind of very professional, sort of high pressure environment, that sometimes, you know, the people in the city in Wall Street, they can be a particular sort of personality, but they get stuff done. And you can throw them curveballs and they'll, they're sort of intelligent, a better work ethic to get it done. Sometimes when you're building businesses, you know, some of your team or employees, they're not interested. They want to get paid and go home. And I struggled with that for quite a long yeah. time. You know, I would imagine you get lots of uh, invitations for coffees to give advice to people along the way. And it seems like, you know, in my experience, too, I've been working with entrepreneurs about 10 years and everybody wants that secret sauce advice. They want to know how they can be successful. But this podcast is about the entrepreneur's mindset and our mindset sort of informs our choices and our behaviors moving forward. How, how important do you think it's linked to the success of an entrepreneur to have the right mindset? And how does that entrepreneur sort of um, be aware of that mindset? So if I, if I did get paid $10 for every coffee I was asked to have with somebody, I would be a billionaire. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. So I have every day, I've had 20 offers today. Um, so it's an interesting one, actually. And I think it's an interesting conversation comparing the US to the UK. Now, I, I've been a partner in a hedge fund where we were raising money in the US and we're investing into small cap companies in the US, UK and Germany. And what I found in the US was it's a very different um, um, sort of culture in terms of raising finance, business, taking risks, failure. And it's quite interesting. In the, I'm actually on the board of the UK's government bank, British Business Bank. So it was created in about after the last recession, the, the global recession to kind of connect young companies with capital. So we facilitated about 12 billion. Now, we did some research recently and it shows that 73% of SMBs, more medium-sized businesses, they'd rather forego growth and raise external capital in the UK. Now, I'm pretty sure in the US, that number yeah, is very, very different. Quite different. It'd be, it'd be a lot lower. So I think in, in the UK, the mindset, something I talk about quite a lot, is, is the entrepreneurial mindset. It's the approaching this where you have an idea, hypothesis, test it, you take risks, your investors at that early stage understand that and they're backing you and they understand the risk and some win, some you lose. Sometimes you prove hypothesis, you get product market fit and you can scale it. Sometimes you don't. Now, in the UK, if you don't, you know, 
sometimes you're branded as a failure and you're yeah. persona non grata and you don't show your face ever down the Rotary Club. Whereas in the US, you know, a lot of investors, they look for that experience. The mindset, I think, is quite different between maybe here and the US and it needs to change here, I think, more so. So I talk to entrepreneurs a lot about having that mindset that you have to try things, break things, test your hypothesis, iterate it to maximize the chance of success and, and learn. And I think you know, I often get asked about the, you know, the entrepreneurs, are they born or bred? And I think historically, before we had the sort of the technology and the internet to arrive, most institutional investment went into management buyouts. Management buyouts were people that learned to trade or read what they did and they thought they could do a better job than their boss or they bought out the family owners. That's where venture capital went. Those people had learned to be entrepreneurs in many ways. And you know, the military, they train leaders. So I think there's a, you can train and learn leadership, but you still have to have, I think, somewhere within you, that nugget, that core, the ability and the willingness to take on risk. Because we all know that when it's going well, it's, it's a great ride. But when it's not going well, the wheels can fall off your personal life even very quickly. Hmm. I don't know if I answered your question there. No, no, it, it, <laughs> oh. it does. And it's it's got me thinking. And, and, and you know, there's there's a big difference between sort of like mindset and values as well, yeah. too. Um, you know, we all have certain values. Like a, a mindset can be shifted and changed. Values are something we hold near and dear to us. And I wonder, like, you know, just kind of now looking a little more personal to you, like how has your own values really informed the choices that you've made in your career, in your life, um, you know, how, how have those values you hold on to really informed you? So I think there's two angles to this. So I found that um, being, uh, this might sound a little bit corny, but being true to who I am yeah. um, works and I have better outcomes. Sure. When I started out in business, I was a young banker and then you know, I made a bit of money and I thought I kind of had a business plan and some cash and we were bright, you know, what could go wrong? And it took me a long time to learn to manage people in many ways because I'm a naturally kind of a hip kind of guy, but I've been taught as a lawyer and investment banker to be able to kind of, you know, deep dive in, in the detail. But I've got a plan, what could go wrong? And I would kind of do things in a way because I thought that's how you did it. That's how I'd read the management books, you know, I'd, I'd watched the films, I thought, here we go. <laughs> and I realized actually that if I, my core asset always, especially younger companies, are the people. And if the culture reflects me, and I'm not an, an asshole, basically, yeah. then I'm more likely to build great relationships. And what I found is that, um, quite interesting recently, because I had a business you mentioned uh, a while ago, but out of that, I'm looking to start a new business. And I've approached my ex-colleagues, employees, who are now probably earning you know, $150,000, $200,000 equivalent these days, got quite nice jobs. Right. And I asked them, look, do you want to leave, work with me again, and join this new startup? Probably earn half of that, take some risk, but it's an upside. And almost all of them, in fact, nine, I think four out of five, I said, yes. Hmm. I think that what that says to me is, is that I did something right in terms of how I um, help these people sort of develop their own careers, their own lives, and they've gone on to do great things, but they're willing actually to come back and work with me. So I think that to me has shown me, I think, that I, I got something right. And whenever I've tried to be something I'm not, it just hasn't worked out. Yeah. And it, it just feels uncomfortable. I think secondly, I think, yeah, sorry, secondly, I think culture now um, pervades your business. And technology and the internet and customers, they're mm. not stupid yeah. and they're looking for it now and they can see it. And I think the days of clever advertising to kid your customers that they need to buy a product they don't really want and that your company is treating its employees or its supply chain in ways which it really shouldn't and are acceptable, it shines through now. So I think 
your personal um, mores, the way in which you liaise and deal with your team, your people, pervades the business. And eventually, your customers, be they consumers or B2B customers, they're going to see that. It will shine through. Yeah, you make a great point. I mean, customers and you know people you work with smell bullshit a, a long ways away, more than they used to. So having that authenticity that you're talking about and being true to yourself is it's a great That's point. the word, yeah. It's and a, having that a, provenance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're going to pause for a minute and take just a short break. What is up? It's Maddie and Todd. Hello. So I'm checking out Blooming Founders right now. It is a co-working workspace in London, specifically for diverse and female founders. It's so cool. It's amazing. And you interviewed Lou Lee. Yes, I did. And I love the fact that she is offering this space in London and has been doing this for a few years. And she has a special offer just for us, which is exciting. And that is a three months free of a business registration address in London. And then after that, it's 15 pounds a month. So a really good offer just for Evolve listeners. What a perfect example of some of the issues that entrepreneurs deal with that a lot of people aren't thinking about, but Luli is, which is a lot of times when you're just starting up and you're starting a a company, you just need somewhere to send your mail and you need an official, you know, company address that isn't your own flat or apartment. And so it's amazing that she's offering that. So you can email hello at bloomingfounders.com with the code EVOLVE and they will set you up on that three months free. So how has this entrepreneurial journey changed you personally? Um, I haven't had good times and bad times. There have been days where, you know, I've been able to spend my parents on a world cruise for 110 days hmm. um, I, in, in style. And I'm days which I, I got my dream car, all this kind of material stuff in a way. And there were days where I really thought that, you know, how the hell do I pay these 150 people at the end of the month? <laughs> and, they all, and, and, they, and they all know that things aren't going to plan and they were trying to raise cash and we're running out of money. And they're all kind of coming into my office saying, you know, is everything all right? And I don't want to lie to them. And that can be very, very difficult. And there were times where, you know, you've, in the early days, you've kind of lost money, your cash is tied up, you're liquid, and you think, oh, how am I going to go on? But I think the most entrepreneurs I know, particularly well, you know, where we have those sort of private conversations, They've all had those moments. Yeah. So, it, but but I think it, I always say that I think a bit like the old adage about there's a book in everybody. There's a business in everybody, mm. and I always say the gig economy is coming for all of us. The concept of employment will disappear. Or a corporation that can hire skills and talent for select projects in defined periods of time. It might be a month. It might be five years. But essentially, within a generation, we're all going to be in business. So I think these are core skills that we all need to learn. And, you know, schools and colleges haven't quite got there yet, and they need to evolve pretty quickly. So I think that being in business has made me who I am, um, for better or for worse, yeah. for good or for bad. Yeah. And I think it's uh, the skills you need to succeed, the skills that everybody is going to need to have in the not-too-distant future. You mentioned your parents and, and other relationships and stuff. I'm, I'm just curious, how have your personal relationships really empowered your professional life? So, not, so I, I grew up in a, a small town in the middle of nowhere, and so my, my real old friends not really know. Uh, I've always thought to 
work with people who are better than I am. So my, I won't call them mentor, people I've learned from my, my bosses really, who are very, very good. And I've kind of found that I've taken them through my career with me. So I've also been able to go back to these people and, you know, and sort of lean on them and say, what do you think about this? Now, I've never really had a mentor. Um, so it has been, I find it quite lonely sometimes, but um, I do have a, a, a sort of a group of people now that I can always go and, and lean on and talk to. And what I found my friends is that they know me. So I, I always say that it's interesting that, you know, gut reactions, it's a bit like the Malcolm Gladwell book, you know, gut reactions work if you've got data points that you can apply to come to a, a sort of a decision or at least a feeling somewhere in your brain. If you have no experience, it's impossible to do. So quite recently, um, about a couple of years ago, I was involved in something and I was telling my, my dad who speaks eight languages yeah. I was telling about this sort of situation and, and there was people there that um, from different cultures and explaining how they all fit together. And he said, well, it doesn't really work like that because that particular religion or that caste or that kind of, they wouldn't really get on or talk like that. And I was kind of like, oh, dad, you know, what the hell do you know? Uh, and, it, and, it, and it turned into a mess, that whole yeah. situation. So I found myself about three months later having Sunday lunch with my parents with my mum and dad thinking they're looking at me saying, well, we told you. <laughs> and the point is, is that they, they know me and they had a gut reaction to me in a, a situation that I was in. So it's taken my mum's dad nearly 80. So it's taken me 80 years, but now I listen to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of run things by them and um, they give me quite interesting feedback in ways which other people wouldn't. And my friends do as well because they, they kind of know me. And sometimes, especially if you had a media profile, you just get lost in the, in the woods a bit because everybody's there. If I go into a meeting and talk about anything, everyone thinks, well, it's Piers Winnie. He knows what he's talking yeah. about. And the reality is, I don't quite <laughs> often. So I'd like to have a conversation about it and some feedback and help me you know, improve whatever it is I'm, yeah. I'm working on. Not just assume that I know that I'm, that I'm right because I'm not. And that's been quite difficult. Piers, I can so relate to this. Um, since moving back to Texas, I'm, I'm closer to my dad. My dad lives in Austin as well, too. And he's 75 and I go and have a breakfast with him as often as I can. And I'll throw things out that I think, you know, hey, if I was saying this, it would sound brilliant to everybody else. And he'll just come back with the most pragmatic view that I would have never thought of around something. So I can fully relate to that. I mean, it's nice to bounce things off of people who you really care about and who are in your life. So I think, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they forget that. I always say, you know, in, in my course, well, I made a course where I say to people that, Seek feedback from anywhere you possibly can. Yeah, you don't need to go and spend month and month finding some highfalutin mentor that's got you know, incredible amounts of um, experience in a particular sector. Go and talk to your parents, talk to your friends, talk to your ex colleagues, talk to your siblings, talk to people who know you, talk to people in you know in, at conferences, events. Just just seek feedback wherever you can get it because all of it helps you in a way mold whatever it is you want to take to market or whatever business you want to grow. That's a great point, and it's actually it's exactly where my mind was going in this next question, which is um, self-awareness. Self-awareness is so important. It's talked about a lot right now in um, high-level leadership in corporate. Um, I don't think it's talked about enough in the entrepreneurship world about being self-aware. How has your own self-awareness played a role in your success? Yeah, this is the one. So I was, when I started, I wasn't, I wasn't particularly self-aware. I was, did what I did and I did it the way I did it and didn't really think about it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think when I ended up on television, um, I had people looking at me saying, you know, who are you? What makes you tick? What do you stand for? Yeah. So I had to really, in a way, think about, and going back to your earlier question about, um, 
who are you and your beliefs and your culture. I had to kind of, in a way, construct Piers Linney, who is it? Hmm. Just so that people can almost pigeonhole me. Yeah. And in a way, what, what the media have done is they create a, a, a kind of exaggerated caricature of you, <laughs> of your personality, who you think you are, and it's not really you. But I've had to, in a way, then live with that and then in some places shake it off. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm sort of self-aware, if you see the way we're looking at it, that there's a, a Piers Linney character out there that's been created as like, this monster that I have no control <laughs> over. I'm like an incredible Hulk. Yeah. And then, yeah. then, 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 then there's Piers Linney. And yeah. I'm very aware of, of, of that sort of um, that confusion people have sometimes. Yeah, I attend some meetings. People think that I'm going to turn up in a helicopter and they're going to switch the room with the security team before I come in. <laughs> Whereas usually I'm in a t-shirt and on, on a bike, yeah. on a mountain bike. <laughs> so I've become more aware of trying to sort of just be who I am and not worry about it too much and make sure that people understand who he appears when he is. Thanks for sharing. One of the things I really, really enjoyed about you when I first met you was how practical and how pragmatic you were. Um, I'm a pragmatic guy too, and sort of pride myself on that, but you're very pragmatic and practical and you have now the, your course, which is startup with Piers Linney. Um, tell us a little bit about the course and where this, where this came from. What are you, what are you trying to accomplish with this? I get asked for advice. I've been on TV. I was a dragon, uh, into your shark tank. So I get asked advice everywhere. Trains, restaurants, public toilets, you name it. <laughs> I've woken up on trains after a nap with a business plan on the back of a napkin in front of me and someone's phone number saying, please call me if you're interested. So I get asked advice and I'm too nice. So I engage. I say, okay, well, how can I help you? And I get, I get involved, you know, five email correspondences where conversations where uh, it's taking up, you know, a couple of hours here and there. And I thought, I get asked the same question all the time. And my background really is professional, it's more practical. So it is finance. Um, I've been a lawyer, I've been a banker, I've raised money for venture capital backed companies, I've run a hedge fund, run a venture capital fund, invested in companies, debt equity, myself or free fund structures. I've kind of sat on every side of the table. So when an entrepreneur or business owner asks me a question, I can usually give them a practical answer. Now I'm not, you know, Richard Branson or Bill Gates who's made billions, not yet anyway. And so I don't sit there and talk about, you know, my story. I'm more about, look, if you want to get from A to B, you need to think about doing X, Y, and Z. And when I looked on the internet, I realized that it's not easy for entrepreneurs and small business owners to find this information. So I started sort of creating a bit of content. I've even got a YouTube channel now. I wasn't on real social media until this time last year. Mm. And now I've got a YouTube channel. Um, so I started putting content out, but I realized it needed to be more structured. So I thought I'd um, have a look on the internet and see what was out there. And what I found mostly was a lot of it's motivational. So it's have a millionaire mindset, go vegan, run a triathlon. Uh, and meditate and you're going to be a billionaire yeah. or buy my system and you know for five thousand dollars you'll be a billionaire yeah. it's just nonsense <laughs> i thought no 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 so the way of giving back really i thought i'll make this course but it, it, it killed me doing it it ended up being 10 hours of content 76 lessons everything from should you consider running a business all the way through to considering your cyber security um, and, and accounting and marketing and I kind of put it out there and the feedback's been great. So it's kind of been a way, it's, it's a way of having about 200 coffees with me. Because <laughs> yeah. it's all in video, it's all, it's all unteachable. Uh, and the feedback's been good. So now people say to me, look, can I, you know, how do I access you? And I kind of, look, I haven't got time, but you can now go and buy a module for $15. And that's worked really well. Yeah. Well, it's like a way, it's like my book in a way. Um, but I couldn't bother writing a book. Uh, for the, the medium of video, shall we say. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it's it's great and it's uh, very practical. I appreciate you sharing uh, sort of the journey. And also, I just really appreciate you um, opening up, kind of telling us a little bit more about you, this persona that people see, like you said, they see you and they pigeonhole you into certain persona. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all just humans, right? We're all, we all have relationships and they shape us and they inform us. And I think taking those learnings like you've done um, has, has definitely been a huge part of your success. And I really appreciate you taking the time with me today to, to walk through this. Look forward to, to meeting you again next time I'm in London. Okay, I look forward to it too. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks. It is startup.peersliney.com. P-I-E-R-S-L-I-N-N-E-Y.com. There you go. I was a spelling bee champ in the fourth grade, so... I think the coolest thing about his startup course to me is that you have the capability to pick different modules you'd like to take and just take those, for example. So, you know, for me, I would be super interested in branding and intellectual property. And then you can also take the entire course and we have a 10% off coupon. And it's Evolve 10. Evolve 10. 10% 10% off zero, the 10%. entire course. Yes. And it's very, very reasonably priced. It is. And you can do it anywhere. It's all virtual. It's on his YouTube channel. Startup.peerslinney.com.